Uh, well, we're in Deuteronomy chapter 29. Um, oh, I did want to make one announcement. We are setting uh, child care back up. Uh, we have several people that come with small children, and we want to provide for their, <clears throat> for their needs. We want the parents to be able to uh, sit and listen to the, to, the, to the teachings and enjoy worship. And, um, of course, during the, the, the COVID year, um, you know, we ha- didn't have child care. We wanted to keep everybody together and, and, and kind of be as safe as we could. And I don't even know what purpose that served, but that's what we did. Uh, and it was great. I like having the kids, kids in here, um, but uh, the parents, it's hard sometimes. <laughs> so we're setting that back up. If Pray about this. Uh, and if the Lord puts on your heart, because the more volunteers that we have, the, the, the more spread out it will be. Uh, between the times that you'll have to serve. But we just want to be able to provide for, for, especially for single parents who come to church with small children, we want to provide two things. First of all, we want to be the parents to be able to listen to the service, but also we want to provide Bible teaching for the children on their level so that they can understand that. So um, that's what we're working on. That's what we're putting together. So there's an announcement on, uh, is it on the website, babe? Did you put it on the website or it's on Facebook? Flocknote. Okay, so maybe you've already got the text if you're signed up for Flocknote, but you can get a hold of Nikki um, and talk to her about it. She's getting everything set up. So, uh, and even I'm gonna serve when I'm when I'm not preaching. So, um, if I have to do it, no. <laughs> uh, Deuteronomy chapter 29. Let's pray over this first. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and uh, we're so so thankful, Father, for the relationship that we have with you because of your Son Jesus Christ. And and as we read through the law, Father, and the beauty of it, Lord, the poetry of it, the holiness and the righteousness of it, and yet at the same time, the harshness of it because of how it relates to us, Father, because it only can condemn us. It makes us all the more thankful for the grace that you've bestowed upon us, Father, and that our salvation and our relationship with you is not through the keeping of the words of the law, but through our relationship with Jesus Christ, who kept the law perfectly and then was sacrificed for us, Lord, as a final propitiation for our sins, uh, an atonement, Father, uh, so that we could have a relationship restored with you, not just once, but for all time, Lord. Thank you so much for that free gift, Lord. And uh, we pray that that would resonate within us, Lord, as we study this word together and we would seek to to see how these words can be applied to our lives, Father, even though we're not under the law. So we give you praise and glory this morning, Father. Have your way in this place, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen Amen and amen. What's that, Papa? Okay, are we doing, is it going to be 10 o'clock or 11? It's going to be 11 o'clock, okay. So for the next two weeks, uh, we're going on our, our big family beach vacation. Uh, so we're, the next two weeks, we're not going to be here. Israel Hayward, our own Israel Hayward, is going to be preaching next Sunday. Uh, and then the following week after that, our own Dan Webb is going to be preaching for us. It's going to be one service at 11 o'clock. So um, <clears throat> I pray that you guys would, would show up and, and encourage those, those men as they deliver the word. I know the Lord's going to put something special on their heart. And then we'll be returning the week after that, uh, resuming our regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> All right. So Deuteronomy chapter 29 uh, and I think we got as far as, as verse 4 last week. So we're going to continue from that point. Uh, Moses, of course, God speaking through Moses to this next generation uh, of young Israelites or younger Israelites who are going to be entering into the promised land now, heading over the Jordan River. We're almost there, folks. We're almost to the, to the walls of Jericho and, and Rahab and all of the battles and stuff like that. But um, you know, this is the reminder, the continue. Remember, Deuteronomy means second law. 
And it's this reminder, it's this reiteration again and again and again. And you guys are saying right now, yes, we know, because you say this every single week. Exactly, and that's purposeful, right? I say it to you every single week because it's important. It's important, it's important, it's important. I'm the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt and delivered you from all of your enemies and bringing you a new promised land. Therefore, heed these words of mine and obey the words that I've commanded you this day. God, again and again and again and again, reminding, reminding. We need daily, constant reminders, don't we? It's like every single day, how many times a day do you have to remind yourself to crucify your flesh, right? Like 20 times a day. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. You walk down the way, people think you're crazy. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's about the Lord. It's about the Lord. And we have to continually remind ourselves. We have to continue. You, it's not just a one and done thing, is it? You know, grace is not just the vehicle by which we're saved, Grace is the vehicle by which we go from being this ungenerated, unregenerated soul to heading towards the glory of our final redemption in Jesus Christ. Grace is that vehicle that moves us, moves us along all the way. Read the book of Galatians, a letter of Paul to the church in Galatia. They were being, he says, you've been hoodwinked and bamboozled by these people who have come in telling you that now, great, you've accepted Jesus. Now, now, time for you to get your act together, you dirty Gentiles, right? You need to be circumcised, and you need to follow the laws of Moses, and you need to take this yoke and this burden upon you. You know, you owe it to God. God. And Paul is saying, having been made, been made perfect through grace, are you now, having been saved through grace rather, are you going to now be made perfect through the law? No, no. The law is what condemns you. The law is what shows you how far you are from the glory of God. All have sinned, the Bible says, right? And have fallen short of the glory of God. It's not even about people you know, being cast into hell by an angry and vengeful God. Sin, wickedness, rebellion cannot exist in the presence of God, which is, again, why God even told Moses, who the Bible says was the most humble man on the face of the earth, and God told Moses, no one can see my face and live, Moses. You can't see my face. You're a great guy. You're a really good dude, man, but you are a sinner, and you cannot be in my presence because sin resides on your heart. No matter how many sacrifices you offer, no matter how many bulls and rams and goats and turtle doves and grain offerings and wine offerings, and no matter how many new moons and Sabbaths and festivals that you keep to the very letter, you will never, ever, ever come close to approaching the righteousness that is necessary to live in my presence. You don't understand, Moses, but they will someday. Because this is where Jesus Christ enters onto the scene and he lives out this perfect law as it was intended by God. Interestingly enough, the religious people hated his guts the way he lived out the law. Why? Because the way he lived out the law was in freedom. He was free to worship God. He was free to honor his father. And he was free to do exactly what God told him to do and not to be bound up by the expectations of people. And it's the same freedom that he was preaching to everyone else that was going to set them free from the tentacles of the religious leaders who sought to have control. That's what people do, man. That's what people do. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's why I'm so glad. And this is not to knock because God bless 
anywhere that Jesus is being taught, anywhere the word's being preached, anywhere where the true gospel is being told, God, I don't care who it is, I don't care where it is, God bless those churches. God bless those ministers, and may God use those people, right? But I hate man-made rules, right? I got a problem. I got a real problem, you know. I don't like the rules all the time. And here's what really, really bugs me. When people try putting rules on you, when people try putting rules on you that are not from any, any higher authority, whether it be from the government or from God, but instead they try to put their own, their own spin on the rules on you, right? That's what legalism is. That's what legalism is. Here's what I think it looks like to be a good Christian. We joke around. I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't go with the girls that do, right? We don't watch rated R movies, we don't dance, we don't do this, and we don't do that. We only play certain video games, and we only do that once. And now I have this, this rule book and this list of rules that I, that I have, have, have made for myself, and what happens is as soon as I begin to put myself under this, under this yoke, under this burden, I immediately, human nature, I begin to look out and seek to make you guys under it too. If I got to do it, it's like a little kid. Well, if I have to do it, they have to do it too, you know. I wasn't talking to him. I was talking to you, Right? Just because God shows you something for your life does not necessarily mean that's for everyone else's life as well. We have the written word of God, and no one can go above or below or beyond or outside of that, right? We have the written word of God. If you show me, pastor, you're doing something that's wrong, because here's what the Bible says, I owe it to God and I owe it to the ministry, and I owe it to what he's done to say, that's what the word says, you're right, I'm wrong, time to go in a different direction. But what Paul was saying to the church in Galatia is, you're, you're allowing yourselves to be put under this yoke and this burden of the law that you were never meant to be able to bear or carry. It's going to shipwreck your faith. It's going to shipwreck your faith. No, it's continuing in the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. That's what carries us through this life and this walk with our God. Listen, every day, Christian, you are free. In Jesus Christ, you are free. So when the people came to Jesus and said, well, what do we have to do? You know, you're kind of a Moses-like figure. He told us what we had to do to have a relationship with God. He said we got to follow every single word of the law. That's what God told him. So what is God telling you? What may we do that we may do the work of God? And Jesus said to the people, this is the work of God. This is the complete, the finished work of God that you believe in the one he sent. And the scripture tells us in former times, God spoke to us through the prophets, but now he has finally spoken to us through who? His own son, Jesus Christ. He is everything. He is the author. He is the, the perfecter. He is the instigator. He is the mediator. He's the in, go in between. He's the beginning. He's the end. Everything to do with every part and every aspect of your faith is Jesus, Jesus, and more Jesus. And every single day that you wake up a born-again Christian, you are free. You're free from guilt. You're free from condemnation. You're free from all of it, folks. Every morning you can get up and say, yesterday doesn't matter. Any way I screwed it up yesterday is gone. I'm forgiven through Jesus Christ. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I'm forgiven through Jesus Christ. It's a new day. It's a fresh start. 
That's something that the people in the Old Testament only could dream of. It said that they, 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 even the angels long to look into these things. Even the angels, seeing what Jesus Christ did and that finished work and how he can take an unregenerated sinner like you and me and make us holy and righteous and pleasing before God, the angels are like, how does that work? It's incredible. It's the greatest miracle that's ever happened in the history of the universe, that God can take our hearts and change them and make us holy. Uh, so Moses reminding the children of Israel, reminding them, reminding them, reminding them again and again and again, remember, remember what God has said, remember what God has promised. And he says this in verse five, uh, and I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Notice this, your clothes have not worn out on you and your sandals have not worn out on your feet. You have not eaten bread, nor have you drunk wine or similar drink that you may know that I am the Lord your God. What is God saying here? Every single thing, every single aspect of your life and your existence, I have provided for you during these 40 years. This is the lesson that he wants them to remember going into the promised land. He goes, you have not planted crops. You have not planted vineyards. You have not done anything towards caring for yourselves. I have provided for you everything in the wilderness, in the desert where there's no life and there's nothing to sustain you and a nation would surely perish and an individual would surely die. And yet for 40 years in the midst of the wilderness, I have taken care of every single need that you could possibly have supernaturally. I want you to trust me the same way that you woke up every morning knowing there would be manna, knowing that the manna would be there for you to collect for your family and to provide nourishment and sustenance, knowing that I would bring water from a rock, taking it for granted even. I want you to have that faith going into the promised land, going forward from this place. It's not just for salvation. It's for your entire life. It's for your entire life. Everything is provided by God, everything. Now, again, there's always this, this, this two-sided coin, isn't there? Well, well, what is our responsibility? Because Paul writes into the Thessalonian church about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming back. He, listen, I show you a, minister, a mystery. We're not all going to die, but we're going to be changed. The last trumpet, Jesus is going to appear, and blah, blah, blah. And the Thessalonians were like, <laughs> they were so excited that they sold or selling their stuff and going up and on the mountain like this. Just waiting for Jesus to come back. Paul's got to write the second letter to the Thessalonians. Is that, would you go to work, please? Would you put, I, I didn't mean today, right? I want you in your hearts and in your life to have this expectancy. This goes for the first century church thought they were the last century church. And we, every generation of believers, thought they were the last one before Jesus was going to come back. And that's a design of God. He wants us to live with expectancy. He wants us to be looking and longing for the appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But he wants us to be busy here. He wants us to be doing the work here that he's called us to do. We joke around all the time. How was your week? How was your week? Hamster on a wheel. Hamster on a wheel, right? If you're not the lead dog, the scenery never changes, right? Uh, just every day I get up, I go to work, and it can become so humdrum and it can become so regular every day that I lose, I completely lose sight of the miracle of it. 
that I completely lose sight of the blessing. It's just life. It's just life. It's just life. And even the most blessed, wonderful life can become boring. It can become humdrum. You can take it for granted. You can even become bitter towards it. If you don't remember every single day, God, thank you. And this day, this, this day, as I'm on my wheel, this day is the day you have made. Lord, use me today. Bring someone into my life that I can show Jesus to through my behavior, through my love to them, and hopefully through my words. Lord, every day may I live before you, right? That's that miracle. God says to the children of Israel, every day, 40 years, I took care of you. You did nothing for yourselves. Remember that. Have faith. Um, uh, Matthew chapter, you guys all know this one. Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 to 33. Jesus said this, Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. Now remember, he was talking to, to, to Jews, all right? So when he says Gentile, he's, this, is not a, this is not a racial thing, okay? He's not talking about, this is, this is not, he's talking about unbelievers, okay? Just so you understand, when Jesus says Gentiles, he's not saying the dirty Gentiles. He's saying Gentiles in the sense of those who don't know Yahweh. Those who do not have a relationship with Jehovah, who do not know the words of the law that you guys know, okay? They run to and fro. Those who don't know God, they're running around like chickens with their heads cut off. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Jesus says, it should never be like that with you. Why? Remember your forefathers. For 40 years they wandered, and every day God took care of them. For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Don't put the cart before the horse. Don't worry about the things certainly that you can't control. But put your hope and your faith in God through Jesus every single day and he will take care of you. He will see to your needs. Yeah. Maybe not to your wants, <laughs> all right? But to your needs. Verse 6 uh, or, excuse me, verse seven. And when you come to this, and when you came to this place, Sihon, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, came out against us to battle, and we conquered them. We took their land and gave it as an inheritance to the Reubenites, to the Gadites, and to the half tribe of Manasseh. So this is the second side of that. Not only did God provide for you, okay, remember this, ingrain this, tattoo this on your on your on your frontal lobes, right? that not only did God take care of you through the wilderness and provide all of your needs, when the enemy came against you, he gave you victory, right? When the enemy came against you, he gave you victory. He gave you victory over what your fathers said were insurmountable odds. They were so afraid of Og, king of Bashan. They were so afraid uh, of Sihon. And they were so afraid of these Amalekites and these giants that were in the land that they turned tail and ran back into the wilderness away from God's promise. And, and now Moses, God is saying through Moses to these people, you have now seen the results of faith of believing that when God says something is going to be, it's going to be. And he has given you the victory over giants that your parents were afraid of, that your parents ran from. You have seen God's provision and you have seen God's protection going into the land. Therefore, verse 9, therefore, 
So you guys have probably heard this before. Whenever there's a therefore, right, you have to read backwards to want to know why the therefore is therefore, right? Therefore, this is a conclusion. So in, in, because of all the things that I've just told you, based on the things that I've just told you, keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. It's, it's like it goes all the way back to the garden and it goes all the way back to Cain and Abel, doesn't it? right? Cain offers his offering according to his terms to God. That's, that's what it could be. What did he offer? What was it? Was it this? Was it this? Cain did it his way. That's what it all comes down to. Cain worshiped God in his own way, and Abel worshiped God in the prescribed way. He offered the first of his flock, a blood sacrifice, and Cain, whenever he felt like it, offered up some produce from the field. Cain did it his way, and Abel was approved by God and Cain wasn't. Now, I wonder, how did they know that? Like, how did they know that they were not approved by God? Was it just that Cain was always like that? And Abel was like, yeah, what a great day. And Abel, is that what, it was it just their countenance or what is it? But God comes to Cain and he goes, why are you upset, Cain? Why are you so upset? Why is your face downcast? If you do right, will you not be accepted? You ever have people in your life you want to say that to? Why can't you? If you just do what is right, your life is a sum total of the decisions you make. Bad things happen to good people, and everyone goes through stuff. But the 35,000-foot view of your life, you are a sum total of the decisions you make. And it goes all the way back to God saying to his people, therefore, choose life. Choose life. Do the things that I've commanded you to do so that you might have life and have it abundantly. That you might be blessed. Because you can't run after the things of this world, even if they're within your grasp, and expect and hope that those things are going to give you some sort of fulfillment or completion. Right? Remember the, the romantic movie? You complete me. Oh, and that's so sweet. <laughs> Talk to me in 10 years, Junior. <laughs> you complete me. Oh, I love you. <laughs> you know, then you get married. And 10 years in, right? You know, you completely revolt me, you know. <laughs> all of that, all of that, all of that stuff, right? No, 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 no. If you're looking for completion from your spouse, if you're looking for your spouse to make you complete, to make you whole, eh, wrong answer. If you're looking for success in this world, to make you complete, to make you whole, eh, wrong answer. Money, fame, pleasure, sport, anything. People are running after these things. And, and people are so upset. You see these marriages and there's constant contention. And you know what I mean? And just, just anger. Why can't he, you know? And she won't leave me alone. Won't you shut up already, right? Because we're looking for completion for our hearts to be fulfilled in things of this world. My relationship with my wife is a ministry for her. And a hard one, right? It's a ministry. Our marriage is for the glory of God, not for my fulfillment. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Christian. Here's the trick. When you live your life in this way before God, right? 
when you live your life, this is yours. This is for you, God, it's yours. The Lord has given, the Lord's taken away. Whatever comes and goes in my life, it's all yours. I'm just a steward. I'm just a steward of what you bless me with. The things that you bless me with are to be used to glorify your name in your service. Take it, leave it, bring it, go, whatever. People come in this church and go out of this church and move, and it's a revolving door. We've never tried to keep people here. No, you come here, get blessed for a while. If God moves you on, he moves you on. You're not ours. We're not, we're not protective. We're protective of you, but we're not territorial. You're not ours. You're God's. Our job is to feed you, right? It's all for the glory of God. But if we're seeking fulfillment in the things of this world, even the good things of this world, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Sorely disappointed. Ladies, especially if you're looking at it from him, he's never going to do it for you. Never going to fully, fully complete your heart the way Jesus can. When Bill Gallatin, he was the uh, pastor of uh, uh, Finger Lakes Calvary Chapel before his son took over, his wife, Rosemary, was one of the best Bible teachers you'll ever hear. Amazing, beautiful woman of God. Their marriage was so absolutely Christ-centered. Just a beautiful example, beautiful people. She died... And that Sunday from the pulpit, you know, what, you know what Pastor Bill said? Well, my wife left me for another man. He was talking about Jesus. How could you? How could you? Because he got it. She was never mine. She's Jesus Christ's. And I had a ministry to her like she had a ministry to me based on what he's done for us. She's, she's, there's no place I'd rather have my wife be than in the arms of Jesus Christ. Hey, that's a hope that this world doesn't have, brothers and sisters. That's a peace that passes understanding. So, uh, God is going to take care of you, all right? We got from there. Um, therefore, again, keep the words of the covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. All of you Stand today before the Lord your God, your leaders and your tribes and your elders and your officers, all the men of Israel, your little ones and your wives, also the stranger who is in your camp. That would be non-Jews, from the one who cuts your wood to the one who draws your water. In other words, your servants, the ones that you have taken captive through your various battles, that you've taken captives and are now your servants, I'm talking to them too. You know how many gods there were like this ever in history? Never, none. This God was the God of this nation, and this God was the God of this nation, and the two nations fought, and this, this nation won, then clearly that God was greater, right? That was the boast that Shennacherib brought against Israel when the Assyrian army was at their gates, and he said to them, don't boast and think that I'm going to trust in Jehovah, and he's going to save me. Don't you think that for one minute, Israel, because that's the same thing that these other nations said about their gods, and their gods weren't able to save them from us, and your God is not able to save you from us either. Oh, that was a mistake. Oh, that was a grave error. The king took the words of that letter, and he laid it out before the altar of the Lord, and he said, you see, God, he's saying this about you. God says, I heard him. Oh, I heard him. And that night, one angel went out among the Assyrians and slew 100,000 warriors in a single night. Our God is king. <laughs> Our God reigns. 
Our God is the God of gods. Therefore, keep the words of this commandment. All of you stand today before the Lord your God. In other words, I was trying to say, he's the God of everyone, right? What, this non-Jewish, this, this Gentile that we took as a slave in battle, you're saying that this is for him too? You better believe it is, God says. You better believe it is. Um, that you may enter into covenant with the Lord your God and into his oath, which the Lord your God makes with you today, that he may establish you today as a people for himself, and that he may be God to you just as he has spoken to you and just as he has sworn to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as Jesus would say to the Sadducees when they were arguing with him about the resurrection of the dead, he is not the dead of, uh, excuse me, he is not the God of the dead, he is the God of the living. That's why he says, I am currently the God of Abraham. I am currently the God of Isaac. And I am currently the God of Jacob. He is their God today. Why? Because they're alive and they're with him. There is a resurrection, Jesus was saying. But he says here through Moses, the same exact promise. When I stood in front of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and gave those promises to them, listen to me, listen to me. Whether you're a, whether you're a ruler or whether you're a slave, listen to me. I offer you the same covenant. <laughs> It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your background. God offers the same covenant to you as to the greatest, loftiest person that ever lived in the history of the planet. He offers the same thing to us. Verse 14, I make this covenant and this oath not with you alone, but with him who stands here with us today before the Lord our God, as well as with him who is not here with us today. For you know that we dwelt in the land of Egypt and that we came through the nations which you pass by. So, so he's saying, I'm speaking to them too. I'm speaking to everyone. I'm speaking to the world. Not just to those who would enter into a covenant and into agreement with me. I'm speaking today to those who would not. And understand and know but that, that I am your God nevertheless. He is the God of every single human being that has ever lived on the face of the planet, whether they believed him or not, whether they trust him or not. As the scripture says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, Jesus is Lord, every single one. He is the God of all. Uh, and he says, and you saw their abominations and their idols, which were among them, wood and stone and silver and gold, so that there may not be among you man or woman or family, or tribe, whose heart turns away today from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of these nations, and that there may not be among you a root bearing bitterness or wormwood. Remember earlier when I was talking about how the, your life, how your life, you could be a hamster on a wheel and, and forget that it's a blessing, and forget the blessing that is in your life, and you can even become bitter in your heart towards the blessing that is your life, because everything isn't suddenly going your way, or you're not getting certain things that you want, or whatever the case may be, what God says here to the children of Israel is any way that your heart turns aside to the left and to the right from following after Jehovah God, 
See, back in these days, he's talking about idols of wood and idols of gold and idols of silver, but those idols represented something. There was a god of God of wine, there was a god of pleasure, there was a god of the harvest, and there was a god of this, and there was a god of that. Everybody makes a god after the imaginations of their own heart, and that includes in 2021, guys. Everybody's got a god. I'm an atheist. You have a god in your life. The God is the thing you serve. The God in your life is the thing that you put things on the altar and sacrifice in order to keep that thing in your life. And God says to the children of Israel, you are to have nothing. Again, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt have no other gods before me. It didn't mean like in order, like one, two, three. It meant before me, in my presence. There should be nothing in your life that supersedes your relationship with me. I'm making this covenant to the whole world today, God says, that they may all know. And anybody, anybody who would read the words of this book and would say yes and amen, I make a covenant with them too. And that's up to including you and I today. Uh, a couple of uh, examples. And we're going to be getting to Joshua. That's uh, our next book. But Joshua chapter 2, verses 8 to 11 uh, before, before they uh, make their attack, their assault on Jericho, they send spies in to, to get the lay of the land of the city of Jericho. And Rahab, who is a prostitute, takes these men in and hides them uh, from the people of the city. And it says this in Joshua 2, 8 to 11. Now, before they laid down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know. Now, this is, this is, this is a Canaanite prostitute, Okay. So going back to what God said, this is for anybody? This is for anybody? Okay, here we go. This is just a little bit into the future. Here goes a Canaanite prostitute. Like basically everything God has said, this is why I'm driving them from the land. She's the embodiment of it. But notice what she says. I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon, king of Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. Here it is. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Guess what, Rahab? Covenant made. Bango, you're in. And guess what? Read your genealogy in Matthew, the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Guess who's in it? Rahab. Rahab. God says this covenant is for everyone. Everyone? Everyone. Ruth chapter 1, verses 15 to 17. Ruth was a Moabitess. She was from Moab. And Naomi and her family went and, and took and into that land because there was a famine in Israel because, of course, they weren't following after the Lord. And they took for themselves Moabite wives. And then the two sons of Naomi, Malon and Chilion, they pass away. And these women are left as, as widows. And Naomi says, go back to your people and go back to your gods and find yourself another husband. You're too young to be a widow the rest of your life. Find someone to take care of you. And Orpha, the one, she leaves, but Ruth, the Bible says, clung to Naomi. She clung to her. And this is what she said. 
Uh, Naomi said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. And now she makes an oath under the name of the Lord. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Bang! Covenant made. And Ruth is in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Okay? Who is the covenant for? Anybody. Who does God want to reestablish a relationship with? Anybody who would see and hear what he has to say and say amen. Okay, we're going to stop there, and I'm going to have my brothers come up, because we're going to share communion together. Speaking of relationship, speaking of covenant, right? Speaking of what we have with the Lord through Jesus Christ, communion is the symbol of that. Communion literally is, well, you know what communion means, right? It means fellowship. That's what communion means. When you have communion with someone, it means you're having fellowship with that person, so when Jesus Christ established what we call communion or the Lord's table or the, or, or the Lord's supper, when he established that with his disciples, he says, this is to be a continual remembrance. This is to go with you into the generations and generations after you. Because again, just like God said to the children of Israel, this covenant that I'm giving you, making with you today, that I'm telling you that I will be your God if you will be my people, it's not just for you, it's for everyone, it's for anyone from anywhere that wants to have a covenant with me, Jesus Christ says the exact same thing about the Lord's table. This is a symbol of the covenant that we have with the Lord God through Jesus Christ, his son. And the symbolism is his body broken and his blood shed. That is what sealed the covenant. Not my agreement, not I will do all the things that you've commanded me to do. I will follow, God bless you. I will follow the law. I will do this. I will do that. No, 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 no. This covenant, this new covenant is sealed on one thing. I believe. I believe. I believe in God the Father. I believe in his son Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. I believe that I am a sinner and separated from God because of my sin. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that his body was broken and his blood was shed for me so that my sins might be atoned for. And I believe that the Holy Spirit has sealed me for the day of redemption. And that same Holy Spirit that lives in me to, to, to convict me of sin and to show me the right way to go is the same Holy Spirit is going to usher me into heaven someday. Amen. Hallelujah. And Jesus says, good, let's eat on it right? Let's eat on it. You make the deal, right? Any of you guys in the business world, you make the deal and you go to lunch, right? Usually you feed them first, right? Then you make the deal, right? Feed them good, then you, get, then you make the deal. Jesus walks up into the, into, the, into the room that night. What's the first thing he does? He washes all of their feet. I want you to know who you're dealing with. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Son of Almighty God. But I'm here not to be served. I'm here to serve you. I want you to know and understand the depth and the level of love that your heavenly Father has for you and that I have for you, Jesus would say. And he washed their feet. And then he fed them. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, guys. I want you to take this and I want you to share it. And so now here we sit today, 2,000 years later, and the same God and the same Christ and the same Holy Spirit is here today and he's looking you in the face and saying, you either have a covenant or you need to have a covenant, 
or let's reestablish the covenant. You know where you're at. You know who you are. Let's break bread on it. Let's break bread on it together. Amen? Amen. All right, come on this time, guys, honest. Christ, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, your friend that sticks closer than a brother. Wow. Wow. And that he would do that for no other reason than love. I remember the first time I heard the parable uh, of the man who found the treasure in the field and went and sold everything he had and the pearl of great price and those stories that I had always been taught growing up as a boy that, 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 that God is that great treasure and God is that pearl of great price and, and, and we ought to be willing to give everything that we have to purchase him into our lives. And I remember the first time I heard somebody teach it correctly and they said, <laughs> pearl? First of all, that's, a, that's not a kosher thing, right? That's from a shellfish. 
A pearl, that's a Gentile thing. What God, what Jesus Christ was saying is that you, even though you're a Gentile, even though you find yourself far from God, you are a pearl of great price to him. And he gave everything to purchase you as a possession to himself. We don't purchase him. We don't purchase him. We don't earn him. We don't do anything that says, now I deserve him. But instead, he went out of his way to purchase you and I, to give everything that we could have a relationship with him. Awesome. Awesome. Let's celebrate that in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, thank you for the covenant that we have through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. And thank you, Lord, that, it's, that we are sealed for the day of redemption, Lord, that nothing can separate us from your love. Father, we ask and pray that every single day we would run a little faster <laughs> towards your arms, Lord, that we would seek to be under the covering of your holy wings. Lord, we ask and pray that all of the desires and the things, uh, of the shiny things of this world, Father, that so easily distract us and even sometimes mesmerize us and hypnotize us, Father, would, as the old hymn says, would begin to grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Lord, we ask and pray that that would become the greatest thing in our hearts, the greatest thing in our lives. It would be preeminent over every other thing. It would supersede any other topic of conversation, Lord, and that you would be our all in all. Uh, Lord, we can't work that up in ourselves. We can't make that happen, Lord, but you through your Holy Spirit, working in conjunction with our hearts, just simply obedient to you, Father, can make the miracle of miracles happen in each one of us, and we pray that you would do just that. Uh, thank you so much for all of our friends and, and family members, Lord, uh, and co-workers, Lord, who do not yet know you, Father, but hopefully will come to know you uh, through the testimony of the cross. We ask and pray that you use us, Lord, to bring them there. We pray for the souls of the people that we know and that we love that aren't saved, Father. We pray and ask that you would give them eyes to see and ears to hear, Father, um, the glory and the majesty and the perfection and the, and the completion of what Jesus Christ's work on the cross actually is, Lord. Uh, we love you and we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, everybody.